0: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike
1: Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your good pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm doing pretty good. You know, I mean, the weather's been kind of wild out here. I'm about to redesign my whole entire office area, which is going to throw off Aaron on camera, but... You know, things are going pretty well with me. How are you, Bentley? I'm okay. Had a very long day at work. (laughs) And
0: uh, yeah, I'm a little brain dead, but I'm hoping to be able to get through this podcast and not screw it up too bad. So now that everybody knows that, we're also joined by Nate, aka Epidesis. What's up, Nate?
2: Hello, Aaron. Hello, Mike. Um, Nothing is up with me. I think today is a succulent day. Gonna have to check in with Mike on that. Is today a day to water the succulent, Mike?
1: As I'm looking at my whiteboard, yes, today is a day that Nate needs to water his succulents.
2: All right, so that's gonna take up most of the rest of my evening getting that done. Uh, So yeah, that's uh, pretty much my day for you.
0: Update on the plant that was making the bugs. We put it outside. I'm not sure what that did, but there was a storm and that blew it over. (laughs) But when I got home today from work it was in the bathtub, in the downstairs bathroom.
1: So, Is there a reason okay. why?
2: I have no idea. So I do want, I meant to talk to you about this. Okay. That I don't think they generate bugs. I well, don't think sure. that's how that <laughs> science or nature work. It's more that the uh, you know bugs are hidden within it or uh, being attracted to it. So I, I don't know that putting it outside really helps in that aspect.
0: I want to be clear that I know nothing about science or nature. But to me, it just, like, it comes in here and then bugs show up. So I just think it makes bugs.
1: Hey, okay. that, yeah. that fits with how the Texas educational system taught me science. I mean, bugs <laughs> appear and you just go, like, get them out of the house. I take the thing that generates bugs outside of the house. It all lined up yeah. and made sense to me.
2: I so, think that is a, a literal, like, Dark Ages uh, belief where they thought, like, dirty, like, rags and shit would generate rats or something like that. Well, <laughs> so like just so clear what, uh, yeah, how, how current... Uh, bentley's education is i mean <laughs> uh, everybody
0: knows well not everybody but you all know where i went to school so yes that's basically where it is okay let's talk about twitter real quick are oh, you subscribed boy. are you subscribed to the twitter account listener are you at everything aew you should be there's lots of great news updates on there there's uh engagement nate engaged with our listeners this week
2: yeah i, I just wanted to talk about junga boy's theme song mostly the Baltimore song "Tarzan Boy" because it's just so great and was really one of the highlights of the GCW show when he came out and they played that because it's great atmosphere. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'll uh, occasionally do engagement tweets on there if I just want an excuse to talk about something.
0: So please join us by following at everything You can find me at Aaron Like the Car. Nate does a lot more tweets at Epitasis, and Mike is at Fuji Heia. That's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. Make sure you subscribe to the show. If you're on, well, any podcast app, you can subscribe to the show. If you're on iTunes, or I guess, so I'm realizing that it's not been called iTunes for some time. It's actually the podcast app, right? But I still, I've still been calling it iTunes. So if you're on the podcasts app, first of all, get a better app. Come on. Second of all, if you're not going to listen to that advice, do a rating and review. If you have an iTunes account, do a rating and review. doesn't matter where you listen to the podcast. Okay. Here's what we're going to talk about. we got some more builds all out. Nate is nonplussed with my rating and review discussion.
2: Well, we're, you're we're trying to, talk. to get people to review us positively on that app, and then you just tell them to get off the app. It seems counterintuitive. You're sort of driving people away from the place to give us the good review.
0: Well, but as long as you have an iTunes account, you can do it. You don't have to consume your podcast. Yeah, you
2: know, be, be more uh, inviting. And okay. gracious to the listener that's going to give us a nice five star okay. review is what I'm saying.
0: Friends, listeners, if you have an iTunes account, it would just, it would really mean a lot to us if you could leave us a rating and review, a five star rating and review. I think you've made a lot of good life choices by using the podcast app and listening to this podcast on that app. And I hope you can continue making good choices by leaving us a nice rating and review. That was great. Thanks. All right. I'll try that more often going forward.
1: Great job, buddy.
0: Thank you. In addition to talking about the Build All Out, we're going to talk about some new news on weeks two and three on the television show that's going to be coming up in October. Uh, Is AEW going to run MSG? We're going to talk about that. Orange Cassidy is the newest AEW roster member. We're going to talk about Orange and the way that I pronounce Orange. And Nate's going to recap BTE for us. Let's start with All Out. There were two Road to All Out episodes this week. First one, number five, it starts out with the best friends in jeans and denim vests. They're walking toward each other in a park, and folks, they do the best friends hug, and we get the Rainmaker pose zoom out.
1: Great stuff. I mean, I I don't know. Do you know the basis behind them wearing the denim? Like, It's Scott Hall, of course, right?
2: Yeah, it's uh, Scott Hall, and when they he first appeared on Nitro.
1: Yeah, and they determined that they spent so much money on it, or at least Dustin did, that he wants to make a big deal out of it. They're going to try to get as much use of it forever. One of their best friends episodes goes into it, like how much they're like, "Okay, we're doing this fine." So I'm glad that they're sticking with that aesthetic.
2: Yeah, this whole all the sort of goofy B-roll stuff they shot here, like the two of them flying a kite together, was very amusing to me. It's like you're not you're not seeing that. You know, I liked both of them in New Japan. It was funny to see Chuck and, like, the fish out of water in New Japan. But you weren't getting vignettes of Chuck Taylor flying a kite in New Japan. So this was fun.
0: It's like everything of them in AEW is the promos Chuck would cut after New Japan matches, which were always fun. But now we just get that all the time. All right, next we see the best friends sitting on a stage. And, folks, they're talking about why they're best friends. And we get a fun little – the B-roll here is them – eating an ice cream, and Chuck drops his ice cream cone, and so Trent gives him some of his ice cream cone. Very good stuff. Chuck is, of course, wearing a Murray State basketball jersey during this. Go Racers. And they say that they signed with AEW because of the focus on tag teams. So they're trying to say, like, yeah, we are silly. We do silly things, but we're very serious about wrestling. So they're trying to thread that needle, which I appreciate. They say they're hoping to be the first tag team champs because it's going to be a big historical thing. As long as AEW exists, they will know – it will be known to have been the first tag team champs they start talking about dark order and the best part about this was just saying like it's okay to have like little dudes in masks at home you just shouldn't
1: bring them to work
2: not professional it's right it's not
1: <laughs> Eat your spooky perverts at home that's right they, they've really hammered that home the fact that they think that dark order are spooky perverts throughout everything they've done and you know it's a solid storyline just keep your mask guys at home i mean it's not a It's it's this is a productive work environment. This isn't like everyone showing up at your local indie show and trying to get work. You leave them at home. It's that
0: brand continuity that I really appreciate about AEW. This closes with someone off camera saying, Trent, what about you? You always wanted to be a wrestler, right? And Trent says, yep. And then everybody laughs and I haven't figured out what happened yet. So What's it was just there? funny
2: because you, you have to you have to sort of imagine the full context of them sitting there doing the sit down interview, and him giving them a short one word answer to one of their questions. When the whole idea is he's supposed to elaborate, <laughs> and so they can cut this into a promo package. But he's being sort of intransigent. <laughs> go. just going, yep.
1: Yeah, that, uh, that was a joke. Yeah, this was great. I mean, we can see <laughs> that Bentley obviously has not watched any of the best friend series because this is kind of an ongoing bit that Trent is terrible on camera. That like he can't be a good host. He asks bad questions. He's just a very awkward person. And it's Chuck is the one that it's through his interactions and being frustrated with Trent makes this work. So you just kind of outed yourself as someone who doesn't engage in the media.
0: Okay, so in fairness, one, no, I haven't. I mean, I don't even know what you're talking about, actually. But two, <laughs> I did watch this at the end of a long work day. So I, I feel like I should get some rope here.
2: Anyway, anyway I, thought are, I mean, are we talking uh, about they have, they have a high about, spots uh, <laughs> interview series. The best friends <laughs> high right. spots interview series. Yeah.
0: Is that the same thing as uh, popping dogs and talking hogs? Is that the same
2: yes.
1: gimmick?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. I mm-hmm. do
0: know that exists.
2: Just so Yeah.
1: Right. No. T- Trent's is terrible at it. Okay. He's he's a bad person on camera, but it's very amusing how bad he is. So
2: This was a good segment. I mean, the joke is that he's like bad, but I thought they did a pretty good job of like, um, you know, putting some money in the bank and, like, trying to lay a foundation of, like, oh, yeah, they're silly guys who, like, don't take stuff seriously, but they, you know, do want to win. It's not like they're a joke comedy act. They're just, like, you know, they have a sort of uh, detachment or, you know, uh, ironic distance from things in the way that, you know, smart people do. All of us do.
1: Yeah, and they even tied it back to the tag team tournament, too, which was, like, hey, we've got put in this thing and how much would it be bad for us not to just lose here, but like be in a position that we're coming off a loss, have to wrestle an extra match. So, and, and like the bad way that they've set up these title tournaments, they've at least given the guys like some justifications like, Hey, we've got this far. We have to beat these guys who've been on our back the entire time. So I thought like this kind of tied a nice neat bow on it.
0: Alex Marvez pops up and he is talking again about the Sean Spears chair shot on Cody. He's doing his little gimmick where he has like numbers that lead him into things. So 13 years since Cody and Sean started wrestling together, 184 times that dusty Rhodes wrestled Tully Blanchard. So of course that plays in here because Tully is going to be Sean Spears second at all out. And uh, a reminder there with the number one, that only one representative is going to be allowed in their corners. I think Nate is the one who suggested that's going to be Arn Anderson. Although I sometimes give Nate credit for things that other people said.
2: Yeah, I did say that. Okay, excellent.
0: All right, then we see uh, Hangman, and he's at Hog. And I know that Nate. No, made that up. Nobody here was at Hog. Aaron was at Hog. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, we did
1: not live in New York. <laughs>
0: I've had in my head, like, all week that you were at the Hog Show. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, it is the premier indie venue in the country now. It's the House of Glory. Yeah. I, I forgot what they even call that venue. But... Right,
2: House of Glory bathhouse with a weird, like, lion marquee or something. It a
0: well, well like it's we, get... we were all there for Hog. Right. And so somehow that made me think that, like, everybody but me was there again for this
2: oh
1: oh, you know i just got in the car and (laughs) drove up to new york city from my (laughs) from my mountain lair up there yeah you know i did that but
0: literally when i made the note in the uh doc that we used for the show and said like stuff happened at hog i didn't make any more notes about it because i was like oh nate and mike will be able to talk about that (laughs) wow anyway so we see hangman and he says you know he's going through this whole thing about chris jericho wanting a thank you but he says there's lots of other people who who played uh, a big role in AEW happening he lists off some people the highlight of course is him saying that the young bucks are owed a thank you because they did some real cowboy shit which prompts a cowboy shit chant which is unfortunately uh out on the episode
2: yeah which is this is like a good little catchphrase for hangman i think like doing some cowboy shit like cowboys are having a moment in the culture because of old town road and all this and like doing cowboy shit is like evocative you know just got on their fucking horses with the posse and went out and made shit happen that's pretty good and it's super annoying to bleep the crowd chant like i understand bleeping it when your wrestler says it but what are they going to do when people chant this on TNT like if they try to turn the crowd down it's going to drive me crazy like just like you know write it off you can't control the crowd let them say cowboy shit if they want they they've used so on the new road to just a diversion brandy says like goddamn or which to me is a worse swear than shit because you're like taking the lord's name in vain which might upset whatever people like shit has always existed everybody has always talked about shit like it's fine she says son of a bitch too
0: which, like, who cares? But I'm just saying, these are right. curses.
2: Yeah, and I would rate, like, son of a bitch, least objectionable, then shit, then take the Lord's name in vain. Because, like, that'll get people actually mad. You know, they'll, like, be, like, a, you know, Nazi Republican and get mad that the president takes the Lord's name in vain. Like, that's,
1: sure. yeah. Yeah, people who care about that care about that a lot. So, yeah, it, it's also the thing, like, you're talking about them, like, having to censor in the crowd. Just, like, the sheer production of having to do that like, are you just going to completely cut out crowd noise, and that's just going to be weird? Because then you're just going to have whatever ring mics you have, and that's still going to pick it up. Are you just going to have commentary come through? I mean, we've seen that commentary is not necessarily a part like ringside. It's like a, it's either ringside or is it up, up in like the bowl? That's still going to pick up the noise. So, I mean, they they kind of got to choose like what what ground are we treading on this. And it was kind of annoying. So, but yeah, no, he was great in this. I mean, cowboy shit's a great catchphrase. And I think that they should go with it. It's in his Twitter bio. Like this should be a thing for hangman page. They need to get Lil Nas X and they need to have them do cowboy shit. Cowboy shit is also
0: cool because it reminds me of outlaw shit. And, uh, there's a a famous Waylon Jennings song called cowboy or called outlaw shit. And, uh, only murder Brian, I think is going to appreciate this. And, uh, Sean Thurman. Uh, Dr. Sean Thurman, who I know is a listener to the show, will also appreciate the Waylon content. Uh, Heyman closes out by saying, at the end of the night, I'm going to ride a horse out of the Sears Center as the first AEW world champion. So I'm just saying, if this motherfucker doesn't come out to Old Town Road at All Out, cancel the whole promotion. It's over. He's,
2: he's not going to. so Cancel it. But... This is the second mention they've made now of him entering on a horse because it was brought up in like a BT mailbag, I think. So, you know, one mention is happenstance; two mentions is not a coincidence.
1: I'm just thinking about how bad it's going to be for the poor horse having to deal with all the pyro.
2: Well, you saw poor Pharaoh at at uh,
0: on
1: one of the things they showed us. Yeah, yeah, Pharaoh There's was that. not having it. So I mean, he should definitely get like a horse after the match, and, like if he's a champion ride back with like the belt and then ride, get on his horse and ride his way out of the arena. But like coming down to the ring, I feel bad for the horse and that's,
2: yeah, you might, I mean, it will be a um, sensory inclusive event. So it'll be sensory inclusive for the horse. Maybe you just forego fireworks for that match in order to do the horse entrance. Cause yeah, the other option is like I would also be amused if they had backstage video of him winning the match walking out of the arena and there being like a horse in the back of the Sears Center and him <laughs> riding the horse off to fucking Hoffman Estates. But aren't there horses on like
0: like NFL games or something sometimes? Certainly
2: like, uh, college football games because Florida State always has a horse yeah. out on the field.
0: So there's got to be some
2: sort of horses that horses are Horses are smart. With, horses can do it. They're they're big boys. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been training horses for such a long time. I mean, do sure. you think that we we have horses they will be okay with Pyro at this point? <laughs>
0: All right, then we see Kenny Omega. Well, I would just want to say this was a really good hangman promo, and this is more of the hangman that we need to see, that the AEW audience needs to see.
2: Yeah, he he does these pretty good promos and, like, hot in-ring appearances when he does these run-ins in in places and seems like more of a star. Um, So I'm going to say if they get him a horse for the entrance, then I'm in on him winning the match and the title. That'll put it over the top for me. I'll go, okay, I mean, he's out
1: here on a fucking horse. Give him the belt. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how can we argue with that? Like, if, if he comes in on a fuck-off horse, and <laughs> doubly so if Old Town Road comes out, or if he rides the horse out of the arena, he, he, he's the ace. Like, th- there's no need to be like to belabor the point. He will be the guy.
0: We see Kenny Omega next, and he talks about how everybody trusted him to make a statement on the first show. He thought he was on another level, but he wasn't good enough. Uh, he was supposed to be the chosen one, just this whole thing about, okay, I was supposed to be able to do this, but really when my back's against the wall is when I'm at my best. I mean, clearly building a story that, I mean, you know, in this scenario, Jericho has to win because Omega is the guy who fights from underneath and ultimately overcomes Jericho again to become the champion, you know, the second champion, which would make some sense. He says the real person that he wants to thank, not Chris Jericho, is John Moxley, because Moxley inspired him to show everyone why people call him the best. He says Moxley is damaged goods and has to prove why he belongs here. Not, in my opinion, not an impressive promo from Kenny here. Pretty kind of just down the middle of the road and like, you know, not an inspiring babyface promo like Hangman's was.
2: No, a straightforward promo, but not in a bad way. Like a a sort of simple and straightforward promo that's like, good in in its simplicity i thought um you know not anything i could see you standing up and pacing in the den but you're like okay i understand him a little bit better now maybe i'd identify with him a little bit more now because he also wasn't doing like the castlevania villain thing with his you know sort of goofy promo voice um so yeah you know I, I i thought it was solid
1: yeah less histrionics and just more just shooting two shots down the barrel of the camera like i think this is kind of promo style that they've done well on these road two shows and that they've been pretty smart about where they've been doing the production for this and i thought that you know i don't think kenny is necessarily a great promo i think he does a little bit too much of that castlevania villain villain shit that that nate's saying but like this was just him just doing a straight up promo and i thought this was one of the better ones that i've seen at least recently so i was okay with this this was a good this was a good episode of road two like this was a strong one and i thought that the one that we're about to talk to is also another strong little mini episode as well. Road to All Out
0: 6 is wholly a Brandy Rhodes promo. Uh, she comes out, black background, one light on her, and she's talking to Sean Spears. And she says, you know, for the last 13 years, everyone's been discussing why Cody is at the top of the field. And Sean Spears says all the hits, you know, it's because of his father. Uh, it's because Cody's a leech or it was the Bullet Club that put him in this position, which I thought was a fascinating addition onto this uh, storyline. And he says, um, she says, you know, if Sean Spears wanted to know, uh, she could have shown him the answer. It's because Cody is more than a wrestler. He's a pro wrestler. And basically just talking about how he puts all the work in. He's always in the gym. He's always working on his craft, etc. cetera. And so then she goes on to warn Sean Spears that the blood from the chair shot was a mirror into your future which I think was a pretty good line, and basically says she's seen Cody take a lot of bad bumps and get up. I especially enjoyed the inclusion of the moonsault off the cage at Madison Square Garden, where
2: actually she said shit here too. She said he ate shit. They bleeped shit. Did they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they bleeped shit, but they didn't bleep goddamn or damn God or whatever it was.
0: All right. She says, you know, basically, people are always coming after the Rhodeses. She figured that out as soon as she took the name. They're always at their doorstep. uh, And she tells Sean Spears that the 10 staples were your 15 minutes. I hope you enjoyed them. So this was very good. The problem with it for me, and it's my fault probably, is I watched it right after the first episode. And so a lot of this was repetitive of what Alex Marvez said about, you know, mentioning the 13 years, mentioning the 10 staples. Mentioning the, I know they're always going to be about dusty stuff, but a lot of these same beats in both pieces. So that kind of brought it down for me, but Brandy was great as always.
2: Yeah. I thought her performance um, was really good. This is like, you know, this is like you, you would say a pretty good monologue in like in dramatic setting, you know, if you imagine yourself or imagining her auditioning for something, it's like a pretty good delivery of a monologue. The, um, the content of the promo was like a little verbiagey. Like there was a lot of like maybe slightly overwritten stuff, but that's kind of a nitpick. Pretty good. You got the, uh, certainly got the, the perspective that her character is coming from on this.
1: Yeah. Th- I mean, this was very obviously also a scripted promo. Like this definitely had like a telltale signs of like Nave saying it was almost like she was doing an audition for a part. But, you know, I thought this was strong. I thought this was a whole lot better than the whole Tony, the the, the whole Marvez thing. I thought that Marvez thing just doesn't work for me like that. I don't think he's the personality to be doing that. So, I'm sorry, Alex Marvez. But it, it was a very solid promo. I mean, it's very simply done. I mean, it's a black room in a ring light. I mean, it's not difficult to do these kind of promos. And easily with this being probably scripted promo, it's one of the best promos that it's better than any promo that other promotions have done all year. So I dug this a whole lot. I mean, I think I think Brady's been the VP of this kind of stuff since the beginning. So I thought this was another strong one from her. It was reminiscent of a Cody
0: promo just like this, right, on one of the first Road 2s. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to what it was, but it harkened back to that promo. For the
2: for the Dustin match, he did the same um, yeah uh, setup for it. I, like, I'm fine if that's like a recurring setup that they do for these. Like, if they – plug one of these in you know before a pay-per-view on a on a tv show and just like hey you know in between this segment and this segment we're just gonna have somebody step out of the darkness and, and you know talk down the camera and, and tell everyone exactly where they're coming from and try and sell the match like that's uh, it's a good like modern reconfiguration of you know the guys doing stand-up promos for every market in the territory and you know talking right at the camera for those so uh totally enjoy the sort of setup for them all right,
0: some notes from the Wrestling Observer newsletter this week uh, about ticket sales and such. Uh, all out in the secondary market had some significant movement. There's only 390 tickets left, and the low price is $165. So, very strong demand still for all out. And I mean, it's hard to get in at this point. You know, if you don't have tickets now, then uh, it kind of sucks. ITV officially announced that the buy-in pre-show, which is going to include the Women's Casino Royale match, which that's interesting because we talked about that earlier, whether that would be on the pre-show, is going to air on ITV Live at midnight on August 31. And ITV Box Office is also going to carry the all-out show as a pay-per-view. Uh, the the TV deal stuff is not finalized there. It's still waiting on TNT getting all that figured out. But ITV 4 is expected for Canada.
1: I oh, you mean the UK? Uh...
0: Yeah, ITV. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is about – it would be the same time because they ran on East Coast time for double or nothing, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is pretty solid. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that, that there was, like, worry about fight and that there was worry about ITV this week. So, I thought this was pretty, pretty standard stuff. Having the Women's Casino Battle Royale match in here, I mean, they are kind of been treating this the same across both divisions. So, yeah, it's okay. Be to see where they appear in Canada. Like, I have no idea how the sports market is in Canada for them.
0: Dave reports that Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Shoko Nakajima are all booked in Japan on dates that would coincide with All Out. So it would appear they are not available for the Battle Royale and that the Awesome Kong versus Aja Kong conversation can't happen there. He'd originally reported that B Priestley was also not going to be able to be there. But even though she's in the five-star Grand Prix, Stardom's five-star Grand Prix, over the next couple of weeks. She's not on the September 1 show, so that probably tells us that she's going to be in Chicago for All Out and then heading back to Japan for the rest of the five-star.
2: Yeah, kind of disappointing that um won't be seeing uh, Aja or Yuka or Shoko um, just because I haven't... I mean, I've seen Aja, but I haven't seen the others, and would like to see fresh new people since I'm going to the show. But, uh, you know, I guess that's sort of the difficulty when you have a bunch of people that live in Japan on your roster.
0: Yeah, I would really love to see the magical girl come out. It just sounds exciting. And so I'm, I'm also bummed, but I'm, I don't know. I'm going
1: to hold out hope until it doesn't happen. I was going to say, they have some weeks, you know, I mean, we're talking about this on the 15th. There's still two weeks until the show, which while wow, there's two weeks until the show. So <laughs> that's on it. kind of just kicked in right now, but uh, there's time. I mean, y- I mean, you got, Like seeing her live, you get her immediately. So like, I'm just hoping that somehow like she'll be able to play into it and maybe something else happens that lets her be still involved in this. So it'll be interesting to see who else they might try to bring in if that's not the case. I mean, people were over there last week, so it'll be interesting to see how this play out.
2: Yeah, this does free up some more spots in the Casino Royale because we were kind of expecting maybe a couple of these women would be in the match. And yeah, like Mike said, uh, Kenny and Michael Nakazawa are both at the Stardom Corican. Uh, you know, presumably scouting or meeting or doing whatever.
0: We also learned that Flip Gordon is hosting the all-out tailgate party. So I guess we can expect Flip to show up or...
2: No, I, he can, I, mean, right? I, think, I think he's still under Ring of Honor, Honor contract for a good while. But uh, the Sears Center actually sent an email promoting this event to me, which I thought was curious. Like, there's a lot of crossover with uh, other companies that are doing business with AEW that are also doing this Flip Gordon All Out Party, which is uh, being promoted by PWTs. Uh, Flip Gordon also turned up in the most recent Sammy Guevara vlog that he did for the Mania show or the vlog right after that, uh, both Flip and Brody King. So just his, his name keeps popping up more often. Um,
1: so, you know, uh, obviously he has a lot of links to this promotion. Yeah, I mean, they've been trying to get these two, like Flip and Marty, they've been trying to have them involved in some fashion, and this is the best way they can do this without doing any contract tampering. I mean, am I necessarily excited at the prospects of Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull coming into promotion? Not at all. I, I think Flip is uh and I think Marty is someone who's really played out the string, but it seems like that it's something that with Marty more, it'll be more something more on the precipice of, and then with Flip, I mean, I think there's like About another year left on his deal. Like he signed like a long-term deal when everyone else did. Only signed the one-year deal or their their deal was like six months. So, yeah. I mean, I will not be attending the all-out tailgate party.
2: No. Sorry to say. Maybe I should as the resident Flip Gordon superfan on the podcast. The only Flip Gordon superfan. I'm a Flip Gordon production I'm fan. Flip Gordon is a big star, Aaron. Oh no, I think about Sammy
1: Guevara, not Flip. I'm
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm a Sammy Guevara fan too. Great, great vlog production. Go check that episode out if you have not. Yeah. Um, Flip Gordon is is you know, good. You sounded really uh assured about that. we <laughs> uh, right. want to talk about Marty also.
0: Uh sure. Let's talk about Marty here. Uh Marty is going to be on a meet and greet at the October hog show. And uh, I guess his deal is coming up soon. And there's some talk about maybe WWE's not as interested as they once were, which I basically don't believe.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I don't know where he's going. Yeah. So his deal is either up in October or November there. He kind of was like the big question going forward. Like what is Marty Scurll going to do? There were a lot of people that were pretty convinced that he was going to go to NXT for a while. Like this was like a, year long thing that everyone was like downplaying like OAEW maybe but keep your eye on nxt and that's not the case anymore so it, it's looking like this is a possibility and really to be honest with how he's been treated in ring of honor it kind of feels like that they, they've already started playing for his exit in a very poor ways so i think that it's something that we're on the precipice of it's not necessarily someone that i'm too keen on seeing in this promotion but i think it's someone that like has a fan base it's very tied into the rest of the elite and for whatever reason that is, I mean, that's strong. And he, and he's, he's not lived in UK for a couple of years, but I mean, he's a UK wrestler. He's a British wrestler that when they do their Neville British show, that would be a big draw. So like, that's the positive I see about him signing. So that's, that's my piece on Marty's girl.
2: Yeah. And uh, I'll tag this, that there are other ring of honor people that obviously have been in like the uh, elite sort of, circle of influence, I guess. Um, Alex Shelley was announced for the Warrior Wrestling show that is the same weekend as All Out, and that sort of indicates that he's not on an exclusive Ring of Honor deal, so you know, he obviously is friends with the Bucks. The Bucks put over him and Chris Saban constantly in their matches together, so um, you know, have to imagine that there's you know, some intricacies between all parties.
0: I would just add that the NXT piece, like the intrigue for Marty, at least in part, is that his girlfriend also works there, Deanna Perrazzo. If they want to work together, he would have to go there, obviously.
2: Yeah, I always found it funny on BT segments with Marty, where she was like working for NXT, but obviously was shooting these uh, video segments, which would be for, you know, a Ring of Honor web series, basically. Um, But yeah, you know, really, if they're living together in Florida, and she is like, gets up to the main roster, you know, like there, there's it's distinctly possible that he would like see her more often if he were working one day a week for AEW and not on the road with WWE doing a different loop or whatever. I mean, that's like way down the road or what, but kind of amusing, but, you know, uh, should the AEW schedule promises pan out as promised.
0: All right, let's talk about TV. Tickets go on sale for Boston and Philadelphia TV tapings uh, tomorrow as of this recording, but probably today as you're listening. Now, Nate says or yesterday, if you're listening on Saturday. Uh so yeah, this is on Thursday. So they're going on sale tomorrow. I don't know. Not gonna make anybody predict. Thank you. Who, who knows? Um here's what we predicted.
2: Right, we predicted last week. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I think we did. That's old no old podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. So Boston, the 109 show, uh, we now know is gonna have Young Bucks versus Private Party in a tag team title tournament first round match. Kind of weird, I, I mean, I get it, but it's kind of weird to think of the young bucks having to be in the tag team title tournament when they like run the promotion or whatever.
2: It's good that they're doing that, but it is also goofy that they are simultaneously, simultaneously in a feud to determine who the best tag team in the world is, because that's sort of what the belts are meant to indicate.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and then we also know that Sean Spears versus John Moxley is going to happen on that first show.
1: I'm glad that we're starting to see like some booking forward with this, especially knowing what exactly this tag team tournament is going to compose of. If, if the Bucks are now involved, then that means that I think we could reasonably conclude that the Lucha Bros would be involved. and Maybe we could see even like the uh, Rose Brothers involved. Like, There's a lot of opportunities now. Now that we know that this isn't going to be a delineated thing with people who've been doing other things, now we know that this could be a larger tournament, which... You know, tournaments on TV is always something I'm a little kind of eh, about, but at least they're applying it across the board. So
0: we also learned that the I guess we probably knew this. I don't know. The Philadelphia 1016 show is going to have the first title defense of whoever wins the AEW world title. And then it's also going to have the first women's title defense. So that they're kind of dripping out little things uh, for these TV shows, I guess
2: i just want I, want I want to need a mic if if it's a television promotion so if you don't do a tournament on tv then you can't do a tournament
1: or you just do it unless all- you
2: do one night one night pay-per-view tournaments and those are terrible
1: i mean or you decide it through like eliminator matches like how they were supposed to do for the tournament turn- tournaments
2: the- are eliminator matches or just a series of eliminator
1: matches keep it off tv because that's not very good for new viewers i mean if you're going to like
2: have Great. Some- you get a bracket you get some forward motion but, building momentum okay, the, the like, finale. in
1: episode two and they've missed like the first two first round matches like they're
2: you, you, you get a graphic and you get a recap and it's like here's what they did in the first round here's what they did in the first round here's where they came from here's yeah. what happened in that match
1: they're gonna be lost because they're not gonna have the context like yeah you could say they're gonna win and they're gonna show the graphic but they're not gonna have like okay was someone injured in that match and they're gonna make that payoff in the next round match like that's why tournaments are issues
2: now tournaments are great like the ideal form of wrestling for television you really.
1: just like it because this means you have to watch every week and you have no fate. you have no old wrestling because if you have old wrestling then you're going to be behind on the tournament and you don't know what's going on
2: right I, no yeah if i miss a week i won't watch the previous week but in the next one they'll just tell me what happened and it won't matter because now we're into the next round they Nate, Nate just likes it because we don't like it mike yeah I, honestly i think your take is insane <laughs> I, I
1: i just think that it's better to start your tv that's going to have a big debut with like already having challenger set up and already have like a chase going like that that gets lets the new well, view you're going to have that for the world title and the women's title but for
2: the tag titles you're going to do something different it's great you then you get a mix of things up and down the card
1: i just think that it's something that i would rather go in my first week of tv if my champions decided and already trying to decide Who my next contenders are going to be, and make that into the thing for the TV for viewers.
2: But now you're arguing the different point because now you're saying I want all this to already happen when TV starts. Yes, yeah. The new new viewers have no idea; they have no context because all that was already (laughs) set up and happened on previous shows. That if it's on TV, they didn't see. So then they have no context. They don't know what happened. A that's tournament right. is way easier to explain and say, hey, these matches happened, and now we're on this level.
1: But Bentley's dying right now. gonna Fish on this point. Yes, you could do this because that's how you sell your BR Live application. Say, hey, you want to watch these past shows? Go to BR Live and see how so-and-so became the champion. Right. That you, also
2: works for a tournament.
1: Yeah, you already have it out of the way, so it's already on BR Live. Boys, boys. Let's talk about tickets going on sale tomorrow because I'm looking at the uh, ticket charts right now.
0: Um, we've already talked about that. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, I mean like $90 for like the first few rows, like they're not doing the crazy seats. It looks like they're pretty yeah. decent tickets this time. So
0: no $300 tickets. The most interesting thing I thought was that Boston has way more $20 seats than Philly.
1: Yeah. Boston's
0: arena looks like it's
1: much newer. Just looking at the diagram. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm sure it's just like that. They've scaled it for uh, x number of dollars. And so they could do more $20 in yeah. Boston. it's I think it's bigger as I recall. Okay, we talked a little bit about the all-out secondary market. The the secondary market for the first TV show in D.C., uh, Dave reports, is a different story. The price to enter is $22.55, so it's a little bit above face. Uh, but there are 2,740 tickets on the secondary market. That would make it the most heavily bought by scalper shows since this year's WrestleMania and last year's SummerSlam. Uh, so it's a, a big reaction to the huge ticket demand for Chicago. Scalper's not getting in on that show, so they heavily purchased For DC and now the demand is low. So does that give you any pause about these next 2,000 tickets that are going to go on sale?
1: It'll be interesting. I don't know if there's enough from scalper demand right there to make me think that people are going to go to Boston or Philly for this. I think there's enough distance.
2: Yeah. I mean, if there were bargain basement prices for these tickets, then I would say that's concerning, but they're still above list price. Maybe they're not moving, but You know, the people aren't desperate to get off the show or anything. So,
0: all right. Some talent notes, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Orange Cassidy has signed with AEW. And that has led to a lot of discourse about whether the Orange Cassidy Act can work in AEW. So I expect uh, you all to have big takes on this.
2: Oh, I didn't know he had homework. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is basically what we've been talking about. Probably every third episode since we've been doing this show is that there's a tension between the comedy characters and the BTE vibe and the wins and losses matter sports vibe that are sort of the two poles of this promotion. Um, Cody said something like, Oh, you know, everybody has a different approach, but they still want to win the match, which is fine. Um, I think if they're going to have a big roster, and they're going to rotate people in and out of focus, and they're going to have sort of a distinction between maybe lower card stuff and pre-show stuff and sort of broader gimmicks like that uh, and keep that distinct from the main event stuff, then I think it's fine. New Japan does it fine. Um, and if you you know don't put these guys and overexpose them and do the Orange Cassidy match on every single TV, then it's going to work fine like people are going to enjoy it uh the guy like <laughs> rapidly became the most uh buzzworthy indie star over the last year i think um and and really their number one determinant for whether they seem to bring someone in is if you got over cuz that's a good indicator for if you can get over es- elsewhere so i like orange cassidy he should have been the champion carnival so i'm glad he's an AEW
1: <laughs> I, I do think he should replace the former Cyber Kong in the Champion Carnival, or should we have Cyber Kong versus Orange Cassidy matches? Um,
2: they should have they should have a, a, a match to determine who gets the last spot. Yeah,
1: I like it. I like it. Uh, Orange Cassidy, uh, he is a very talented pro wrestler. He is someone that has shown throughout his career. He's a very talented pro wrestler. As y'all were saying, like there's places for these guys. This might mean that there will be, like, they open the Wari Gate title and have a comedy belt that just has them do their own distinct thing. Because if you look at it now, you already have Michael Nakazawa here. You already have – you're having Orange Cassidy. Marco Stunt is someone that can be played, like, as a wrestler or paid for comedy purposes. I mean, that was his big debut was him being so small. Like, like you can do this there. And, you know, the biggest determinant of getting over, like Nick said, is having gotten over before. So it's going to be fine. I mean, people like to – complain about comedy wrestlers in all promotions but almost all promotions have comedy wrestlers like at the end of the day i mean new japan has toriano dragon gate has sakuri chikawa star stardom has sumeri natsu i mean there's been so many comedy wrestlers through both wwe impact ring of honor i mean cole cabana at his heart wrestles a a comedic style so and he's still able to do pure european wrestling so you know i think it's going to be something I think the interesting thing is going to be like, you can't overdo this act like Nate said, or are you going to do some sort of evolution for him to do the other kind of wrestling that we all know that he can do because he's done it before. So it's, I I don't know. I think a lot of people like to get angry too. So I think this is a big case of that as well.
2: It's a lot of discourse. That's like trickling down from like Cornette and these people. So it's like probably not that relevant to the established elite audience. Like they, you know, are, are already in. So it doesn't really matter. So it's a lot of arguing about principles with people that aren't relevant to the promotion. It's like, you know, people that aren't going to give it a fair shake anyway, maybe.
0: Well, it's in in bad faith. I mean, it's like you don't have to engage with people who argue in bad faith.
2: I mean, it's not necessarily in bad faith because maybe it is what they believe about what wrestling should be. But it kind of doesn't matter because that's not what this is going to be, probably.
0: I just mean that it's like when, uh, you know, whoever, some person who's always worked for Republicans tells you which candidate a Democrat should nominate for president. Yes.
2: That's, a, bad, like, like, that's probably, this is who they think would win. Like maybe they think you should nominate Joe Biden because he's the most electable guy and he's like the most centrist, but it's not advice relevant to what the Democrats would actually do. Yeah.
0: Right. I just, it strikes me that the theory of modern WWE is weak, can get anyone over. Bring us anyone and we will make them a star. And the theory of AEW instead is if you've been a star, you will become a star here. So it's like the whole experiment is, can we just take people who have gotten over somewhere and put them in a big time major league promotion on TV and big arenas and make it work? And everything to date has shown us that it will work Except you can argue the Adam Page push, but largely everybody's gotten over. And I don't know. It says here that they're gonna keep doing it. I mean, you don't have to hit on everybody anyway.
2: Yeah, and there, one of those uh, uh, strategies has worked throughout the history of wrestling, like with the territories and guys you know from one territory going to another one and being a star there, or Japanese companies flying over guys who are star in the West to come be a star in Japan. That has worked, whereas we've seen the track record with the WWE and how they've been able to make non-stars, stars, stars, uh, or basically not do that ever.
0: Okay, Cody said this week that they've revealed about 40% of the roster. This, to me, is so bizarre. It's like, I hope they don't have 60% more people out there to be in this promotion.
2: Oh, I—the more people, the better. Roster bloat is a fake idea. The more people that you can no. call on, to plug no. Into it, <laughs> yeah, no, you don't have to care about every fucking person on the card. But it's better to have fresh acts and fresh people that you can plug in to, uh, you know, give a little more juice to a segment where you're just trying to get a certain storyline over or a certain idea over. That being said, I don't. This can't be true. Like, <laughs> there's no way you can actually. Not that many wrestlers out there. People. Like uh, Dave said, maybe he meant oh, you know, we have access to this more many more people in AAA or we have, you know, uh, uh, you know other sort of contacts. Maybe he means people that they're going to bring in for, you know, one show guest spots like, uh, you know, whoever the new act in GCW is, like a Blake Christian, bring him into job on, a, on an episode of the television. Maybe that's what he means. And, like, they're on the roster but not actually on the roster. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think it, it's not strictly true in terms of, you know, regular, pushed, established people that are going to be on the roster. There can't be that many more.
0: Nate, I just want you to know that your take is anti-labor. <laughs> Why? Because the more people you have, the more you're going to depress wages.
2: Okay. But those people aren't aren't getting, uh, you know, uh, comparable or competitive wages where they're working now.
0: But you're going to be bringing down other people who could be making higher wages at AEW.
2: Yeah, but paying people higher wages just makes them billionaires faster, Aaron.
0: Uh... I don't know. Brain too tired. <laughs>
1: I have another way to look at this. Okay. Bring uh, it, Mike. This makes me really want to know what their org chart is because all these people who are under contract also have desk jobs. So like, does this mean like that there's gonna be like a huge communications department now that like like Chuck Taylor probably is doing videos too? Like, there's a lot of stuff there. I think Nate is right that I think when they say like 40%, I think they're also talking about like the extent of their relationship, the crazy spider webs out there with triple a with, with stardom, I guess Rossi Ogawa said something this week that said there might be another opportunity internationally for stardom. And I mean that that's, I think is a natural playing two and two together with that. So, I mean, I think that that very well could be part of this is that we're talking about AAA, a, we're talking about people who are in theory related to OWE. And then we're talking about like all these other things. So I think that's a pin to, like if you add up like the 30 kids that or the 30, to 40 kids that are in the OWE dojo, the overall AAA roster, which is like in seventies. If you include like people who do like shows that aren't televised, it's not as big as CMLLs, but it's one of the largest ones in wrestling. And if you include Tokyo Joshi pro technically, if you want to include stardom, like, yeah, sure. 40%. That makes sense. Like that's just how it is. But also they made a big deal about like how like wrestler life is supposed to be on this. And and like quality of life has been the big talking point from Tony Khan. You're gonna to want to have people so that they're not just having Adam Page wrestle every week on TV, just not just for like not just because the TV gets old, just because of like that's the grind there. And they said, okay, like ideally you're gonna be wrestling four to six times a month. So I mean, naturally that means you're probably taking a week off. So you're gonna to need to have someone else take the spot, or else you're gonna have like Jimmy Havoc on every single show. And no one wants that.
0: I just wanna know if Orange Cassidy is quitting his shoe job. That'll be very interesting.
2: Yeah. See, yeah. Now he, maybe he's a case where they don't have to give him a desk job because he can keep his desk job and take Wednesdays off and then he still gets, you know, his benefits from his shoot job.
0: Yeah. AEW should sign Tim Thatcher. Speaking of people with shoot jobs.
2: Yeah. He should not be on MLW. Fucking give me a break.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, the last 18 months of him, just in general, like, what the, like, come on, Thatcher. What's going on, buddy?
0: I don't know, but I love Tim Thatcher, and I would like to see him get another shot um, on a bigger scale, so it just hurts my heart.
2: He was supposed to save the Indies after WXW sold out and became NXT UK Junior, Um, and yeah, then he just went to fucking MLW and got the MLW stink on him. They have to rescue Tim Thatcher from MLW. Kenny Omega was announced
0: for a September 14th show for New Taiwan Wrestling and a uh, September 15th show for Singapore Pro Wrestling. The Singapore show sold out instantly. Kenny Omega, this is big for his Hall of mm-hmm. Fame. Southeast draw. He's a, he's a draw in Singapore. Uh, both local promotions were working with OWE, so that all makes sense.
1: Yeah, like this has been a thing that OWE has run several weekends of shows with NTW and Singapore Pro. I believe Voices of Wrestling had like an interview with one of the guys behind Singapore Got, Pro that was up on the website so like this has been like a thing and I don't know how much attendance these shows are I've not caught them like this is just kind of out of my periphery but I'm aware of but like OWE has been doing this and this could be a thing also for them looking towards Asia because OWE if they don't want to have to like attach to DDT or stardom OWE does run shows in Japan now so I mean there's also the potential of that as well so it's just kind of further submitting that relationship when we know that OWE has some talent issues with getting visas for the Chinese students. So, you know, this is, it's nice to see that this hasn't been like tossed aside because of the visa issues that this relationship still seems to be pretty strong. So that's cool.
0: Awesome. Kong did an interview with the New York times in conjunction with glow season three dropping on Netflix earlier this week. The biggest notes from that uh, were that she said, she's primarily going to be working as a producer and coach. And she also says that AEW gives its wrestlers healthcare, which, which, also uh, started some discourse this week. and I think we just don't know what this means. We don't know. We know that a lot of wrestlers are getting health insurance through AEW because they also have office jobs. We don't know whether Orange Cassidy has health insurance. I mean, he has probably has nice uh, insurance through his shoot job. We don't know whether Private Party has health insurance, et cetera. And this didn't really give us any light on that.
2: Yeah. They really done a a pretty good job of obfuscating it. (laughs) It made it difficult to figure out.
0: Yeah. So at uh, All Out, Mike, your job is ask about healthcare and ask about uh, transportation. These are the things we need to know.
1: Yeah. Ask ask,
2: uh, Tony and Cody what they think of Tarantino doing Star Trek.
1: We've got a lot of questions here. I mean, I'm certain that y'all will be texting me questions throughout the night. So, I mean, I'll get ready for it. I'll be dressed up nice and way backstage. So, you know, it's going to be a big night. You know, lots of questions. We'll, we'll see who our true friends are.
0: Also ask Tony and Cody, if Bernie would have won.
1: <laughs> Just off the bat guys, uh, what Bernie would have won. <laughs> uh, well, what do you think about Warren's just saying that that, that she has policy? Like, let's get down to brass tacks, and and bolts. What do you think about Yang's UBI? Like, we got a lot of stuff we need to get through, guys. But I think
0: you know everything you need to know about a person just by asking them, would Bernie have won?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's a fair one.
0: <laughs> okay, Allie, Private Party, and Sammy Guevara were added to the Jericho Cruise January 20 through 24, 2020. So, I mean, this
1: is just an AEW event at this point.
2: Yeah, honestly, not even news.
1: Uh, should, should we announce what our big plan is? That now we're, what we're going to try to do with Aaron Taub. I don't think even I know. hit it Mike. We're going to make Aaron Taub. I, I know Nate. Uh, Nate and I have made jokes about this before. Aaron Taub needs to go on the Jericho Cruise. We need to have him as an embedded reporter. He'll be on location, and I think he'd be up for it. Let's send Big Treat on a cruise,
2: and he's going to take mushrooms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm for it i mean i'm not gonna support him taking mushrooms but i'm for the rest of it i know i'm a square reho won the high speed title folks i haven't seen the match but whoever posted it on our twitter account spoiled it for me because i checked the notification that's on
2: you i posted it uh, but you checked so that's your fault even though i was putting you over because i said you got it right and she won i, I thought there was no chance
0: I was right. B retained the world of stardom title as we talked. And we suggested we were going to do five-star Grand Prix talk here, but let's put it at the very end. I think that's where people expect their stardom talk on this. The stardom
1: block as I'm looking at my five-star Grand Prix 2019 block predictions, yes. Yeah,
0: we'll hit it up. Okay. we should. I did a really bad job of putting this show together, folks, because I had a a long day. So we're just now getting to Cody Hinting today (laughs) at something going on in New York City. Ah, uh, Dave tweets that he heard shots fired on his wrestling war radar gun. What are you saying, <laughs> Dave Meltzer? Like, and we and we saw I pictures that Cody, Brandy, and Tony Khan were at
1: the Warner offices in New York uh, yesterday. I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I think that if they're if MSG has been the thing talked about, I think that the road run MSG shouldn't be TV. It should be their big show at the end of the year. So. I think that that'll be a good thing, especially considering what their promotional partner is doing with MSG coming up soon.
2: Now, so the Warner, Warner confuses me because there's Time Warner and then there's factions of Warner and the, the Time Warner cable was not owned by the same company as Warner. The, I, when I had bad Time Warner cable in New York, this really confused me. But Time Warner and Madison Square Garden do have a relationship, right? I don't know. Is that who we're talking about?
1: Spot by Charter, which has... I believe no relationship with MSG whatsoever. Okay, it might have been that a makes case. Sense. There might have been a case. I mean, with MSG Corp and all of that, but Time Warner Cable no longer exists. So
2: okay, so I don't think there's any direct connection from Warner to Madison
1: Square Garden. I, that's all James Dolan owned I thought he completely owns it with MSG. Yeah, no,
2: Madison Square Garden is a, a separate, uh, you know, giant media company. Um, they do, like I said last week, own the LA Forum also. So my prediction is not out of play. It is not disqualified. I just uh, texted a good friend of mine who works for
0: MSG uh, to find out if Warner has a relationship with him. So if I get a response while we're on the air, I will report to the listeners. All right.
1: MSG also owns eSport teams, so if they could be getting involved with eSports. Who knows? <laughs> it's just Maybe. like...
2: They're getting James Dolan's band to do interest music for someone.
1: The, the straight shot, JJ and the straight shot, we're getting in. Maybe they're going
2: to cover Old Town
1: Road for Hangman Page. Oh, God. I I, I would be looking forward to that. That would be great. I was
0: going to say maybe a big star from the Knicks is going to be at an AEW show. I mean, I remembered that they don't have any big stars. Oh. Very sad. Except, of course, Kentucky legend Julius Randle. Big star. Sure. Anyway, we don't know, but something's got to go be going on in New York City. And it came at the same time Dave said that shots were fired on his wrestling war radar gun. So, <laughs> my, my is- favorite
2: mixing of
1: metaphors ever. <laughs>
0: It's very, uh, it's very Mike Spears energy.
1: <laughs> I've been great about my metaphors lately. So, you know, yeah. y- y- y'all could back off on that. I know not to combine three different metaphors. In it. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, that's madness. I'm surprised you weren't talking about Julia. You-, you talked about Julius Campbell. I'm surprised you're not talking about Kevin Knox being on that team as well.
0: Also, well, you know, it's only his second year in the league. So, you know, he's got to work to become a big star, but he is a Kentucky legend, obviously. Triple A. Um, so as listeners may know, there's long been rumored that there would be a AAA show at Madison Square Garden. Not a rumor. They
2: announced it. It's an announced event. (laughs) No,
0: it's a rumor. But there's also been rumors that it's going to be canceled. Uh, the the reports from this week are that there is going to be, you can tell some change in the verbiage. There's going to be a AAA New York show. Right. I feel like New York has replaced MSG as the, is where the show might happen. All the the important thing for you to know is that there's not going to be any AEW talent on any AAA New York show
1: or the AAA Forum show that they're doing out in LA as well. But yeah, this has been kind of a big mess because it's 2,000 seats. They have 2,000 tickets. They've showed to the they've sold to this perspective show, and they've been really weird about how they that English commentary at Triple Mania did not mention MSG or LA once. It's a giant weird situation. I bet. Triple A would love to have them on the show. It's not happening. I mean, if, if John Moxley was not going to be in Dallas for G1, we're not going to get an assure Kenny Omega at triple mania or not triple a mania. It's, it's called a triple a invades, uh, New York. So yeah, we're not getting it.
0: A trip. According to uh, the wrestling observer newsletter, triple a has also been pitching the best of the young unsigned talent that they need to sign with triple a, because that's the only way into AEW. Dave notes. That's funny. Because AEW wants guys who they can sign on their own now that they are starting television. But in their working partnership with AAA, anybody who had a deal with both of them, the AEW dates would be the first priority. So, but not a bad yeah. way for AAA to try to sign people. I mean,
1: they, they've done this before yeah. with Lucha Underground. We see how that played out for everyone. If any young and sunny talent, listen to this, don't listen to what Dorian Rodon saying. He has a terrible track record. Have a lawyer read your contracts. Have a lawyer read your contract. It's it's garbage. Like, don't listen to AAA about this, and it's a shame because they have some really great young unsight talent who show up on their shows. So it also makes you think that this happened with AAA in the past with people. They would get cutbacks of wrestlers' pay, like a finder's fee, which is going to be a thing that they would take a cut out of their, their AEW thing, and that's just them being exploitive. I mean, AAA has a bad history of this. So I think this is... Something that for being like a company that's all about like the quality of life for the wrestlers, you have to think about all your wrestlers, not just the ones who are North American or European that are even able to get here. Clearly, you need to think about like your talent that you're going to bring in from AAA. You're going to, to think about your Chinese and Japanese talent as well. So I think this is something and it's kind of frustrating that they're doing this all over again. I'm actually kind of mad that AAA is doing this.
0: Have an update from my MSG. She reports, I don't know what that means, but full (laughs) transparency, I'm drunk at Backstreet Boys at Barclays.
2: Oh, wow. Okay, competition there. That was a BT episode, (laughs) except they don't drink. So sober at Backstreet Boys was a BT episode.
0: Yes, so uh, maybe tomorrow after she has sobered up, I will get a a better report. Hog talk time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I thought the uh, stardom segment was later. (laughs)
0: Oh God, Bucks versus private party. I don't know anything about this because I wasn't there as I previously told everyone and I didn't watch it, but Bucks versus private party. That's a match that happened. And then as we said earlier, they announced it's gonna happen again. The second week of TV, LAX finished up on this show and they didn't say where they're going, but everybody thinks they're going to AEW.
2: Yeah, there was a big AEW chant. We already said they're going to AEW, but the crowd obviously has smartened up to that.
0: Yes. Do we want to talk about what songs AEW should license?
2: No, I think my uh, my answer is the objective correct one. There were certainly some good suggestions, but it's got to be Tarzan, boy.
0: Okay. I'm
2: going, going Old Town Road. Uh, moment moment will be passed as soon as TV starts.
1: Well, I mean, he's doing so many different remixes that there could be the one of Dolly Parton by that time. You only got to do it once,
0: Nate. You just need to license it once yeah. for the for All Out.
2: Oh, for All Out? Sure, that's fine. If you're going to do it once for All Out, that's fine. But I'm talking about ongoing you can't have that on T V every week on because, you know, we're we're approaching a minute fifteen for that. Uh my How pick- about
0: outlaw shit for for uh Hangman.
2: Not familiar. Don't <laughs> listen to the the country music.
1: Uh. I want Stronghearts actual theme to be used. So they I want them to license that. So rather than the production one they've been using for Shima and them. So
2: do you know do you know who did the Stronghearts theme? Was it a jam project production?
1: No, it's completely different. It's not done by the usual Dragon Gate things. It was a from like a Hong Kong action movie that they just use. I would love to see it. I forget its exact name off the top of my head, but they should have the strong Hearts theme because it rules.
2: All right, Nate, give us that BTE recap. All right, Aaron, I will. BTE <laughs> recap, episode 165, a farewell to independent wrestling. Wow, I've done a great job of noting all the episode titles recently. Um, Starts with Cody backstage. He's talking with a production guy, planning out the Darby segment, um, and he bumps into Rick Knox, who's standing there. Rick takes a bump. He's in his ref gear. He's on the ground for a long while. Uh, This is, of course, the bit where Rick Knox is a referee in real life. And Cody, you know, gets it. He gets the joke. He steals Rick Knox's wallet, walks off. And then also explains the joke, which makes it funnier because I like Cody's uh, sort of
1: short views on these things. That was great. Sealing as well. I thought it was a good point. I think it's a good conclusion for this gimmick if that's what they're going to be doing.
2: Let uh, me go to the young bucks. They are at the airport. They both have their phone cameras trained on the other buck um, and talk about how they're heading to house of glory hog for their final independent wrestling appearance. Um, Brandon Cutler is up at the OWN, OWE shows in Toronto at the time of this so they know that the audio issues will return on this show and then we get a nice classic BT travel montage um, they end up getting some coffee in the Hilton Lounge, Matt Jackson apparently drinks a lot of coffee and then they have a full camera crew that's set up in the hotel, they're apparently shooting something with Hangman Page there um, I, nobody that I recognized here, you know, you didn't get uh, Dylan Freimer or uh, you know anybody from the DDP studio that I saw on this shot to wonder who this was for. Maybe something for TNT. We know they're doing like a big uh, hype show before TV starts. So there's a guess for you.
1: Yeah, there wasn't high spots people either. So makes me think that it's Warner Media related.
2: All right. Oh, I guess, yeah, maybe they just brought MSG people to Warner Media for the meeting. That makes sense. I don't know. No war. Okay. Forget it. Um, then we get, uh, them outside the hog venue that we previously discussed and they're worried about all their Tanner in the rain. Cause they did their spray on Tanner. They do a nice shot here that I gift of all the people outside the hog venue in the pouring rain, because that was right out of our WrestleMania experience.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least it seemed like that they were only out there for a little bit, not the hour and a half that we had before stardom and you know, having Bentley shout out to Momo and, and Momo blushing and running in as fast as she could because she was embarrassed by the rando yelling this out. So, I mean, this is uh, like the no, <laughs> no,
0: okay, that's not what happened. She did, blush. she did run inside because she was overcome with her emotions and feelings. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> wow, way to misread that situation,
1: right. I ah. saw it. The way, that was the way that I think that I and the majority of people there saw it. I mean, you could interpret no. it however way you want to. No.
0: We
1: I know the truth. Okay. I saw it
2: right. No. When she was embarrassed was at Madison Square Garden when we saw her later?
1: Yes, oh, I made heart hands that, at her. That, that that's my fault there. Didn't,
2: didn't need to admit <laughs> that on <there. laughs>
1: natural that that was a honest mistake and I apologize Aaron. I love her and I'm not ashamed of it. Oh so. no. No, I just I don't care.
0: Uh, this was very uh, triggering for me because it was not only raining, but it was freezing cold. And I had on like a sweatshirt or something, something dumb. And they would not let us in because they apparently because they couldn't fix the bottom rope. And they, and they just never fixed it.
2: <laughs> also, like not a reason not to let us in the fucking building. No. Like-
1: what a should show. That it was. took so long to clear out all 12 fans at IPW. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it, it took them 12 minutes a person.
2: <laughs> all right. Then we get the Orange Cassidy vignette. A uh, very funny and cute little vignette here of a blender sitting on a uh, side table or something. And he puts some oranges in the blender. You don't see him. It's shot from like his chest down. Uh, then he puts an AEW contract in the blender. Uh, and blends it all together. So you got some freshly squeezed AEW contract juice here. Uh, and then he just drops his sunglasses in the, in the freshly squeezed uh, uh, glass. I guess it's not freshly squeezed because it's not squeezed at all. It's blended. But, you know, what can you do? Very, I thought it was very, and had, had a good Orange Cassidy energy with the score. Like it's, they weren't trying to fit him into some other sized hole. Like this was like an Orange Cassidy-esque segment.
1: Yeah. And it was done at like the orange Cassidy level production value. You know I mean? Just clearly using windows media maker for the orange Cassidy is all elite. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah,
2: it's very good. Um, then beats the email bag, stupid jingle. Uh, Kenny is up top asked if he will have a, if they will have a Halloween pay-per-view with costumes and everything. He tried to like hide where he was for this segment. Um, but later they showed Michael Nakazawa in the exact same location. and It was very obviously a restaurant in Japan. So I don't know why he bothered um, Just being cute maybe uh, But yeah, he so he wants to do something bigger and better than what the uh, you know He has done in previous Halloween appearances. Of course, they the elite one time dressed up as the cast of Aladdin and Kenny was Jasmine uh, They did a Ghostbusters shtick with the young bucks one time where they came out as the Ghostbusters uh, they, they love cosplay. It's a cosplay promotion. Hikaru Shida loves cosplay. Um, yeah, everybody, you know, Leva Bates, really maybe the second most influential indie wrestler after Colt Cabana might have been Leva Bates because cosplay is sweeping the nation. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. A lot of cosplay. Cosplay at Fyterfest.
1: Well, right. yeah, Yeah, there was that. I mean, it didn't help that Kenny's outfit got lost, apparently, if we believe that's
2: true, so, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't seen that, um, but I'm gonna, Aaron, I'm gonna tell Hikaru what you said that you don't like cosplay. All right. I don't like cosplay. It's a fucked up word that only
0: perverts should use. And I just, I hate everything about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, the <laughs> word is bad. They could definitely have a the word.
1: The word is so bad. No costume play.
2: So I think it's a word that the US received from japan okay so it's probably way less weird seeming in japan because you know they sort of uh will uh uh uh, (laughs) congeal words to make shorter words and like borrow parts of english (laughs) words without having the exact same meaning for them and shit you know all this stuff so yeah it's just weird it's not there should be a better word (laughs) Mm. all right scorpio sky is asked his favorite song uh, he appears to be like in this kitchen here. He has pretty nice cabinetry, I thought, for like what what seems to be a, an apartment or a condo Um, he had nicer cabinetry than I do. Anyway, cabinetry. He says his favorite song at the moment is that thing you do from that thing you do. The Fountains of Wayne classic. And then he like sings and dances and does the whole thing and is like being silly, I guess. Uh, it would have been funnier if they did like a quicker cut on the song and didn't show us so much of him singing yet. I it.
1: I fast forwarded through that because I knew what was going to happen and I saw how long the episode was and I determined, okay, this is where this episode's this long so they let him sing the entire song, did they?
2: No, not that much, but uh, too much of it. It would have been funnier if they did a quicker cut. Good song, though. All right, now we go back to Michael Nakazawa. Uh, as I mentioned previously, he was in the same location as Kenny. Uh, he was asked what he would be doing now if you were not wrestling um, and he says that he started wrestling because a girl that he liked liked wrestling so he he went after that and pursued that because he wanted to impress her or whatever so he decides to ask what that girl likes now to see what she now likes to see what he would be doing so uh, he gets on the phone and asks and then he says that was my wife and she likes video games now so he would have been an eSports athlete uh, this was a, a very cute conclusion to the to the story of why he started wrestling he reader her he married her I thought, I mean,
0: I don't know anything about anything, but I thought there was like an Omega Nakazawa like uh, romantic thing at some point. He was like he was the third wheel in the Golden Lovers, so there was never anything between Omega and Nakazawa that we know about.
2: There might have been a BDT, you know, angle to it, but
0: no. I mean, in their personal romantic lives. No,
2: yeah, I have no idea, but I thought there was a very cool woman.
0: Yeah, clearly. Okay. Thanks. Just wanted to get that out there.
2: There there was a very cute story that he told here, and you had to jump on it. (laughs) It Hog Talk. You and your fucking Hog Talk. (laughs) And now the Hog Talk continues. We get some archival footage of the Bucks winning their first Hog Tag Team titles, or the first Hog Tag Team titles. Uh, And they do a a long sort of stand-up here talking about how they're happy to help out the independents and come full circle and go to Hog and it's their biggest pre sale ever uh, for a show. Uh, they do a, another meet and greet montage here, a BTE staple. Um, and the, I thought the music here was like very sort of uh, PR package. Like it, it kind of felt like, hey, look how good our guys are here. And, um, but, uh, you know, it was fine. And they, we get a little stand up private party talking about how excited they are to wrestle the Bucks in, in, before this show um, with all their friends and family there in attendance. And then we get a match montage. Uh, and we get the Matt Jackson post-match promo, which they cut pretty short. But it was a nice little summation of their whole career up to this point. They really been doing a lot of sort of like looking back and talking about where they came from in the lead up to AEW here, sort of trying to get their narrative and the narrative of the promotion over. Uh, and that was it. That was BT.
0: All right, BT. Thanks, Nate.
1: Love, love the Hog section. Hog is definitely up to their production quality since we last saw them, at least in person. You know, like that does the cool lights. I mean, it's a great place to watch a show. Hog I think we all endorse in our Hog heads here. So if you're in the New York area, go to Hog. It's like a really fun indie show.
2: Yeah, definitely the authentic New York indie. There used to be uh, another promotion that would run New York, I think, right in Queens there. Um, but, you know, no no authentic New York vibes to that, for sure.
1: All right, Stardom Corner? Yeah, let's get on to it. Are you asking? everybody? Everybody's excited. I had to pull up uh, my whole spreadsheet that I have with each result I have for the five star Grand Prix. All right, let's not go too crazy here. Let's, let's do this.
0: Uh, like the G one, there's two blocks, but in stardom, there's the red stars block and the blue stars block.
1: Who do you got coming out of the red stars block? All right. I'm going to, this is going to be a big surprise for you, Aaron. Because Can you link
2: me, link me the blocks?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll drop you a, a link right now, but, uh, this is going to be a big surprise. I have Momo Watnabe winning the block with Hanakamura finishing runner up. Wow. I, wow. I, I have a big story here. I think she her only loss that she takes in the block is against Azumi. I think that's it. Oh. Yeah, I think she's going at 14 points. She's starting her center. Wow. So yeah. That'd be that'd be a big total.
0: Uh here's my thoughts. September twenty second, Corican Hall is like the last night of five star grand prix. Mayu Iwatani takes on Momo Watanabe. It's got to be the, the block decider, although Hana Kimura, you know, could easily, because of whoever loses, end up second. So that makes sense to me. Um, I too think Momo wins the block and she defeats Mayu on the last night to win it.
1: Yeah, I have Mayu finishing third in that block. So it all, it all would make sense in the end.
0: Okay. It's a, it's a tough block to figure out as far as like where the losses. is. Yeah. yeah. It's a very top heavy
2: block
1: hmm
2: It's a tough one.
0: Nate, hey, have you spent two minutes figuring out who you think's going to win the Red Stars block?
2: No. Okay. Did I get a link? <laughs> I don't think I did.
1: Check the group DM.
2: Oh, the group DM. This is... I, was, I was looking at the doc. I was looking at the video chat here. I was like...
1: Oh, I, I should have dropped in the doc. That's on me. Again, you, I messed up you a lot. blunder by Mike. We'll, we'll start Blue Stars yeah. block, and then we'll come back to you, Nate. Yeah. Blue so Stars you're going to throw the whole reader off now. Sorry, who who you got, Mike? I got Jungle Kiona.
0: Whoa!
1: Yeah, I have Jungle I... Kiona winning head to head in the against Utami to be. Uh, to, they both finish at twelve points, but the thing is that Jungle Kiona has the head to head win. So yeah, that's my winner. Who do you have?
0: Okay, so here's the last night of the blue block. Kagetsu versus Arisa. Big, big match. Utami versus Miyagi. B versus
1: Jamie Hader, Kiona versus Konami. I did not know that when I made this. The, the, the <laughs> first sheet I had did not have dates on it. It just had dropped. That leads a step ahead. Yeah. So
0: the the only it. one I just don't think is going to be involved is B and Jamie. Right. I, I don't see that as a block decider. Mm-hmm. I could buy any of the other ones. But it's tough here because, like, Arisa has not lost a singles match since she's been back in stardom. Right. She's obviously on a big run right now. Um, Utami hardly ever loses. She was the, a finalist last year. Kiona and Konami feel like they're getting a push right now. It's a tough one. I think... I don't know. I think Kagetsu. I got Kagetsu as my finalist.
1: It, I mean, she's someone that they've really kind of cycled her down. She does have the artist title right now, and it does seem like they're kind of doing this, but Kugetsu being someone that can go in there. And I think we're both going to be on the same page when we talk about finals, but it's an interesting block because this one, it feels like there's more stratification. Like, yeah. okay, Jamie's probably going to finish at the ta- tail end, the same with Natsuko Tora. And then you'll probably have a big clump of people that are either going to be like between like four or tied with the leader going into the final night. So I feel like the red block is going to have like the, the, Two or three people run away because it's just gonna they're gonna have to pick up wins. But the blue block, there's gonna be a lot of people into it on that final night. That final night's gonna be crazy.
2: Nate, your block finalists. My block finalist. Okay. Uh, red block. Is that what it's called? Yeah, red block. Stars block. I'm going with Hana. Uh, she's due for the big push since she signed the contract. It's her time to get pushed to that top level and become, you know, one of the the two top champions there. Because uh, she hasn't – has she challenged since she signed the full contract and started TCS? No. Okay. That, they were waiting for this. That's why. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to put her coming out of the red block. Blue block, I was going to go with Utami, and I was going to say she's going to be the block finalist that just doesn't get to that next step, but I just learned that she did that last year. Yeah. So I still kind of think Utami. I'm going to say Utami or Kagetsu with – Either Kigetsu would lose to Hana, Utami could maybe defeat Hana coming out of that and be the all, the, the winner of the whole thing. I'm going to say Hana over Utami in the finals. H- Utami's going to come back and win it next year.
0: Okay. All right, well, now we need... Uh, well, you've already picked your winner. So, Mike,
1: who's, who's your overall winner? This is going to surprise you. Momoa Nabe. Wow. I think that... They've made a big thing, and she talked about it at Corkin, that like she's lost momentum and she's trying to build it back. She's lost the white belt. She lost the Goddess, and now it's it's kind of a big thing that she's she has a block here of people that she has either beaten before or faced or has faced like through the time. There, I mean, you look at someone like Izumi. That's a big match for her just because she's the leader, but Izumi is the boss of Queen's Quest, and then you have Mayu, who I mean, that's like the icon versus the ace, like that's a huge match as well. And it just makes sense that Momo is gonna have like this big like mountain climb victory. She'll beat who I, she'll blink Jungle Kiona because Jungle Kiona is gonna be like that seems like that, that's Jungle's role and I hate it because I love Jungle. She's probably my, my favorite pure wrestler in the company, but it's what it is. And I think Momo wins and then she's gonna challenge for the red belt against B and she's gonna beat B.
0: See I would like to pick Arisa to win the blue stars block mm-hmm. because in my fantasy, that makes a Momo Arisa final. Momo overcomes Arisa and then like just challenges her again for the white belt, right? But uh, good things don't happen to me in life, so that can't be what happens. So that's why I got Kagetsu. Momo I do think Momo wins this thing. I think she has cycled down a little bit. She needs to come back up, and she's really got her choice. She can challenge B again for the red belt. Where she can go to reclaim her white belt. Um, not sure which way that'll go,
1: but I, I just
0: kind of have the sense that uh, Momo's going to win this thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just kind of feels like it's being built up that way. And I think Konami's going to be someone who gets a win on a and she's going to get a white belt match because I think that that's something that they could do for this. I mean, looking at the rest of the blue block trying to book out of it, I mean, maybe Andres Miyagi gets a win over there too. I mean, like there's just not a lot of, there's not a whole lot of people within the blue block that you'd expect to beat Arisa as well, but you expect that whoever beats her would get the next match. So,
0: yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing like uh Jamie beater to get a, a challenge. She had a great match with Momo earlier this year. So there's a few things you could book out, but it's the promotion is in a weird place because like Arisa to me, Arisa and B seem like such strange champions as like your top two People in the promotion. Uh, Arisa's quite a bit more over than B is, but not as established as your Mayu Iwatani or your Kagetsu or you know, EO before Momo. So, just kind of a weird place. I just kind of feel like one of the belts is going to be held by one of the more established stars soon.
2: All right, Hana, or it could be Hana. Hana has really, I mean, she's been there. It's not like she hasn't been there and she's yeah. over she just hasn't gotten to that right. level so
0: yeah it's weird they really Keona and Konami have gotten bigger pushes since TCS started than Hana it's
2: cuz they were waiting for the the 5 star grand prix
0: and she's made a big point of it she had like a big post on social media yesterday about how you know she's going to win the 5 star grand prix and she did this thing about like nobody in TCS is going to be my friend during this and then she's like well i guess none of them are in my block but <laughs> in the finals
1: <laughs> yeah, that was great uh it, yeah. it's interesting because it, at least looking at like crowd response it does seem that Kiona and, K- and Konami are more over at this point than Hana is right now well they've been pushed more mm-hmm. recently yeah.
0: I think Hana I don't think Hana wins this I think Hana is your next Cinderella tournament champion I can
2: that. dress Got to dress I uh I do want to make a personal appeal to the people at stardom to Sunny or whoever. Got a subtitle, The Stars in New York or whatever, these sort of bonus videos, because I I went on there and was looking at them, and there was one of Mayu, like, going through a foot locker, dressed in, like, full camouflage hype beast uh, tracksuit, and just, like, going through and looking at all these, you know, obscenely expensive Jordans or whatever, and uh, talking about all of them, and I have to know what, what Mayu was saying about the Jordans. Mayu is a hype beast, for sure. Yeah. Love it. And I just want to, you know, I need the need the full extent of the character coming through on this.
0: Also, I just want to say that uh, Avery particularly appeals to me and uh, I'm really rooting for her. Are you guys into Avery or no.
2: Haven't seen her. I don't watch the promotions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, she you- hasn't appeared in the promotion yet. Okay. okay watch wrestling he only watches vlogs and content because it's all hey, they don't
2: they don't do live shows if they did live shows i would watch
1: plus like the live shows would be even at a weirder time than the shows from japan so
0: well i i uh, looked at her social media because she's coming into stardom <laughs> and i was like she's going to be very different for stardom it'll be very intriguing to see what she brings to the table all right that's your stardom talk and that is everything elite for this week yeah, a very weird way to end the show, I guess. But you know, it's what we do. So, if you want more weird talk, follow us on Twitter at everything aew. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at apidosis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Make sure you are subscribed to the show. You can search Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice, or subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. You need to leave a rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And I think that's it. So, uh, two weeks from now, I'm not going to tell you who it might be. But we might have a big guest. So look forward to that. If we don't have the guest, I'll just never mention it again. So there you go. All right. I think that's it. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you next week. I-